Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Pete Zayas. Pete, this is the last time I'm going to talk to you until 2020, until the new decade. It's crazy. This is this decade's ending, man. Yeah, it's wild. Do you remember, like, where were you when this decade began? I think this is always a fun exercise. Oh, boy. I was working in insurance, deeply miserable in my job, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, that, I, one of my first you know memories of 2010 was like, should I buy this Game 7 ticket that I most definitely cannot afford? We talked about this recently, yeah. right? Uh, that's that's how 2000, the 2010 started for me, and uh, it's ending in a, a very different place. So how about you, man? Uh, so let's see. 2010, I think I was still in school. I took my time in school. Um, I graduated high school in 2004. Really messed around, uh, was was not particularly mature. It got to a point actually where Jen put an ultimatum on me and told me that hey, if you don't if you don't graduate college here pretty soon, we're we're done. Uh, so that kind of woke me up. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, I I think I, I I had just in 2010 started. I, I changed over to being a um, an English major. And I think that was kind of what what kind of lit a fire under my butt. I finally something found something that I was really interested in school after starting in in civil engineering, and then I went to business and biology. Uh, I think that was it. Uh, yeah, I think those. And then I I, I finally finished with um, with English, and that was you know it was something I was told throughout grade school. Like you you aren't a good writer. You aren't a good speaker. You aren't you aren't good at these various things that you would do with an English degree. So don't even head down that path. Stick to math or whatever. The irony there, right? I suck mm-hmm. at math. <laughs> <laughs> sure. um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I was. And then, you know, I was I was uh, I, I I was pretty aimless. That blogging, all of this was something that I, I saw was kind of on the horizon. Like Lakers Nation was in its earliest iterations. Silver Screen Enroll, I'm not even sure Drew was in charge of Silver Screen Enroll at the time. Wow, and he yeah. preceded Harrison. So uh, it was just that all of this was was not on – it was a, a glean in, in our eye. <laughs> but I think to, to see how far we've come here is, is kind of wild. Uh, do you have any uh, New Year's resolutions? I'm not really a resolution guy. Mm-hmm. I've been, you know, last couple of weeks trying to get into better shape as is, you know, that's the ongoing yeah. battle of life as you get into late, your late thirties and whatnot. Yeah. But I, I think I've finally framed it in a way that, uh, that like, damn it, I'm going to do it in that, like, and saying it on a podcast helps me be accountable too. So yeah, yeah get on you're me on, on Twitter now. if you're hearing this, but, uh, like, if I set something up in my mind as a, an accomplishment or as like, a, not an accomplishment, but a challenge, challenge. of which an accomplishment an is if, if you achieve it, right? Oh yeah. You, you know me. Yeah. Pure athlete sitting right here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> You're a coach. You're no. a coach. How about that? Yeah. But I am very competitive. Yeah. And so I mean. putting it in a, like, can you get to this weight? Can mm-hmm. you get to this point? Like that's a mountain to climb, a challenge to meet. That is like one of the first times I've been like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. So yeah. I'm going to like, I'm in the process of that. So just like, you know, a lot of people it's get in better shape in 2020. And I want to like not work myself to nearly dying uh, <laughs> of which like eating like crap because you have no time for any yeah. else. I, I want to try to not die in 2020 um, is, is a goal too. So <laughs> how about you? 
Yeah, you almost fell short of that resolution last year. Man. Yeah, not do that. Don't no. don't do that. Um my my resolution, I had this actually, I did this a couple of years ago, and I said I was gonna have no hangovers. I think it was like back in 2017 or 2018. And uh, that was one of my most productive years to this point. Mm. So I think I'll probably do that again. And then I, I really want to save up to buy a house. So that's mm. that's like my big goal here is is by year end I'll have saved up, or my wife and I will have saved up enough to uh, buy a house. So those are the those are the two big deals. And then yeah, like you're saying that the get back in shape thing. I went to the doctor's office because of this cough that I've had that you guys have probably mm-hmm. noticed for the last like month or so. Mm-hmm. And you step on the scale. And for one thing, I have never been that nervous to step on a scale. <laughs> That's a bad sign. That was you a know, bad sign bad when it starts out it. like that. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and then and then she uh, two things. So first she she does the. Um, she actually does the reading on the scale or whatever, and it it is what it is. And first, I saw the number, which sucked. I went two fifteen, which is at least ten or fifteen pounds heavier than I've ever been before. And mm. then uh, the, I look over, and the doctor who or the nurse who who did read the scale there was like, Whoof. "It's like, damn." <laughs> yeah, that's never good. So, so yeah, that's the only get, place in society shape. nowadays where it's like acceptable to fat shame is at your doctor's yeah. house, right? Like yeah. or at your doctor's <laughs> office, right? Like where your nurse goes, the hell is wrong with you? What like are you and doing as they should be, right? That's yeah. their that's their job. Yeah. Well, I, I would argue that in sports we get some fat shaming there too, though I don't think we, we, we do. Yeah, I don't think we can necessarily qualify it as fat shaming. Is there an NBA player that gets fat shamed? Uh, Jokic, Dudley gets mm-hmm. it. Tht mm-hmm. gets it. Um, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, here's, that's my, true. here's here's my thing though with with the with fat shaming in sports. I don't think we can necessarily, as long as it's not, it doesn't go too far. Which some might say, fat shaming in general is is already mm-hmm. too far. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I kind of get that as a fat person. I'm kind of I'm 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 a little easier on it than than most. But sure. Um, but for for athletes, like part of the inherent contract in the relationship between athlete and and fan is that the athlete will keep themselves in some kind of shape. Yeah, their body is their moneymaker, right? Yeah. Whereas you and I, it's not necessarily the same thing. Yeah, like so so long as you aren't just like just uh, abusing, you know, verbally abusing the person for getting fat. I, I think pointing out every so often, hey, this guy's in uh this guy's in his just signed his contract body. Mm-hmm. You know, like right. it's just like the snide comment here and there I think is okay. Do you, do you do you agree disagree? I, no, I I mean I think it's again this is you know coming from two dudes trying to lose weight. I yeah. the irony of like <laughs> you need to lose fifteen pounds is not lost on me. Yeah, uh, but I do think again that that's their money maker. That is like that's actually a concern I have with THT. Right, is yeah. that it's also kind of indicative of a mentality mm-hmm. of like like. THT is a really interesting prospect that I yeah. think has a lot of ability. If he was chiseled, he would have been right. Like what in is the first maybe? You know, what does THT look like as a player? 10, 15 pounds lighter, right? And yeah. just, a, just a little more cut. You can't help but wonder things like that. So I, I do think that it has to be approached. Just, just always approach these guys with a certain level of humanity. respecting their humanity. Yeah, like yeah. that's a big thing that I dislike. We talk about these guys like they're zoo animals or mm-hmm. just like not not human beings, but. Um, but I do think that it's fair game because it, to the degree to which it impacts a guy's performance. Yeah, I I think, 
I, I mean, in general, my, my stance on making fun of people or poking fun at people, if it's something they can't affect, right, that they aren't in full control of, mm-hmm. then I say, all right, like if, the, if somebody has like a legitimate weight problem, an eating problem, my hands come off. I, I say, you know what, that person's just got to go get help, right? But if it's somebody who, after signing a big contract, comes back, like Draymond Green in the preseason, we saw him and we were like, oh. He sure. ate his contract. Sure. Like that guy. That's where I say, all right. Well, that he's got to get back in shape because, again, like he just signed this contract. There's a level of professionalism uh, assigned to it. But sure, yeah. And, and most of the time, like with regular people, like what you weigh is none of my damn business. Right. So it's like that's not my like. Yeah, it's not a reason for me to like or dislike you. It's just that's your business. Yeah, we couldn't work together if if you. <laughs> <laughs> Although we would be sitting there like Spider Man pointing me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's take a a quick second here. When we come back, we are going to answer your questions and try to catch up to all of the ones that we had to answer before the end of the new year, which we might just be able to. All right. All right, first question here comes from Kinetic Groove. Two questions. How concerning is it that at this point in the season, the Lakers have a losing record against the top teams in the league, Clippers, Bucks, Mavs, Toronto? Uh, and what's the lowest playoff seed you'd feel confident about the Lakers' success come playoff time? Thanks. Great work as always. Thank you. Well, yeah, first off, thank you. Kinetic Groove is a uh, regular question yeah. submitter. So thank you for and always all your questions. questions. This, uh, we're saying our thank yous as we leave 2019. Um, in terms of seeding, I, I don't really care too much about that. Like I'd like us to get the number one seed because it's better for us to be at home. Um, the record against the top teams is concerning to me, right? I, I don't quite put Toronto and Dallas in the same breath that I would put those other Bucks. three, but those Toronto and Dallas are also the only two wins that we have, right? We lost to Toronto, but mm-hmm. we're two and one against Dallas. So I think we're what two and five, five over four or five, those teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that does concern me. That's what, you know, we were talking about yesterday about like the Lakers team very easily could be on a seven game winning streak in a few games, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've got these bad teams to play. And then it inevitably comes with, why are you whining about this team? That's, you know, going to be what 30 and seven or something like that. If, if everything goes chalk and it's because it's about beating the Clippers, it's about beating Milwaukee, about beating those elite teams. And we've come up short each time that we've played those types of teams. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's a matter of concern, but we're also not at the end of the story, right? Like right now, I think we're behind Milwaukee and the Clippers and ahead of everybody else, but we're not so far behind Milwaukee and the Clippers to where that can't change by the time the playoffs roll around. One thing that I do have my fingers crossed for, which is something that really only Kawhi Leonard has on the Clippers and the Milwaukee team doesn't really have is kind of how to pace yourself so that your all systems go come playoff time. At least LeBron has that for the Lakers and a couple of the role players like a Danny green, Rajon Rondo uh, have, have been very deep in the playoffs or won championships that there are more guys on our team. JaVale McGee, even that mm-hmm. two time champion. JaVale that's McGee. right. And even Dwight's been to the finals, right? Mm-hmm. So you've had guys that have gone like all the way through that kind of know what it takes and how you need to pace yourself to get there. So I place a good deal of trust in our vets to pace themselves that way. But I do think that right now we're behind 
by a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not a ton, but by a little bit. So I am concerned. Are, do, do you have concerns about that? It's always been I, – I, I kind of remember this as some of the first serious analysis I had of the Lakers as a kid. And it was that like I noticed that they were beating, you know, they were kind of trudging through the season, but they were beating the teams that you wanted them to beat uh, back in the three-peat era. Because when they when they were back in the three-peat era, I think I was on like fourteen or fifteen. I wasn't I wasn't seriously analyzing basketball quite yet at that point. Um, and I remember kind of just kind of chalking up. I, I, I trust this team because I've seen them beating the beating these teams that they are going to face come playoff time, mm-hmm. or or come you know finals time or Western Conference finals time, whenever. Um, and and that's something that does kind of make me a little nervous. And with all of these games individually, Toronto, I'm not really worried about because I don't think they're going to see Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's probably going to be Milwaukee that they see. And in that game that they played against Milwaukee, there were a couple outlier things. Giannis going 5 of 8 from three-point range. Mm-hmm. Probably not going to see that too, too often. Uh, but when he was out there on the court, I never felt like the Lakers really stood a chance. I I, I, mm. I didn't I didn't like the the way it looked when, when uh, Giannis was out there for Milwaukee. Um, and, and, you know, the Lakers weren't playing under ideal circumstances either. They were playing at mm-hmm. the end of a road trip, and they right. were, there, were, there were things going on there that might have factored into that. But, like, against the Clippers, I, I, I feel like the Lakers have competed well enough against them. The, the losses they've had against them were frustrating as hell, but I didn't feel like they were outclassed. Milwaukee felt pretty close to, to them being outclassed, and that, I, and, I, and, I, and that was without Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like the Lakers were outclassed in the first game against mm-hmm. the Clippers. Like that was in, I call those arms distance wins yeah, where they're not like, it, they're, like they weren't blown out, but yeah. it wasn't like close in the last minute type yeah. thing. And the second game, Lakers just blew that game. Like I'm, yeah. I'm still mad about that game because mm-hmm. they totally should have won it. It was not the Clippers outplaying us or anything no. or outclassing us. M- Milwaukee did look like that. It also had some factors involved where like we didn't have Kuzma. It, like yeah. they didn't have Lesmo, but we didn't have Kuz. Mm-hmm. And, and this Kuzma just, too. Lately, Kuzma has been really good. Right, right. He had a, a bagel against Dallas, but by and large, he's been very good. Um, and, with Milwaukee, you know, AD had just tweaked an ankle and sat the game before. Like those types of games, I guess what I'm trying to say with that are not as indicative of like the pacing of a playoff series, right? You're not at the end of a five game road trip where you're in five different cities and flying all over the place. Yeah. I'm do you think Milwaukee has enough outside of Giannis to like be as as much of a threat in the playoffs as they are now. Middleton has been really good in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, I, th- I think he's legit. But yeah, outside of that, like Brooke Lopez come playoff time, I don't really quite trust him. Um, the thing that I think the better a better version of that question, not that you have you asked a bad version of it, but I think a better version of it is is Milwaukee's second and third options something that they can actually go to if the Lakers right. take away their first, right? Because that's what happen come, ha- happens come playoff time is that – and Houston runs into this. This is why they went – they had that 0 for 27 stretch, right? Because they don't have a, a, a counterpunch when you take away their, their first punch. Um, that, I think, is a very fair question, and I don't – I. 
I don't think it's something I'm I'm that that worried about over the course of a seven game series. Yeah, like like Middleton's a really good player, but and this is total box score analysis. And yes, he's yeah. been a good playoff player. I, I guess I'm talking like second star. It's been a while since a team hasn't won without a second yeah. star. Like San Antonio in 2014 is probably the closest to that. Mm-hmm. That's actually won a, a championship. Well, I guess Toronto did that last year. Dallas. Toronto. Well, to- Dallas was in 2011 mm-hmm. and Toronto. I don't want to act like that's an asterisk title, it but is. like, no, if, it absolutely if, is. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they weren't the you best team. Clay in the and you lose KD. <laughs> but like part of, part of the game is staying healthy. So yeah. I, I don't want to like demean the accomplishment that the Raptors had, which was very impressive. Just, they probably don't win that series all if everybody's healthy. Right. And so you usually need a second guy and like Middleton's good, but and again, box score, I'm looking, you know, basketball reference right now. He was a 17, six and four guy in 34 minutes, which is good, mm-hmm. but it's not like second star. Can you go to him? Like you said, yeah. type of guy. And I just don't know if like, can they do that with Giannis's jumper also? Cause that was what they ran into last year in the conference yeah. finals too, uh, was like Giannis's jumper is improving, but it's probably not going to be like a primary weapon type of thing anytime yeah. soon. So I, yeah, I I'm skeptical, more skeptical of them in a high level seven game series than I am in a game in December where we face them at the end of a five game road trip. I do think we're heading to a point though, where that jumper is going to come around fully on Giannis. Oh God help us. And, if that happens. <laughs> I, I don't and know. Saying, like, the Lakers got to win their championships before that happens. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, man, for sure. I, I think he's improving. I don't think he'll ever be like a really good shooter, but it didn't have to be like, if yeah. he can be okay consistently, that's probably enough. Yeah. Like remember when LeBron started, hitting consistently and it's just like fine there's nothing anybody can right. do come right. on um all right oh, the second part of that question the lowest seed do you are you worried about seeding with the lakers not at all not me at neither all. I'm, I, I agree with you on that one uh let's go one more question here before we throw it a break jnro9676 writes love the show anthony and pete you guys are fantastic thank you i'd give six stars if possible keep trying it, you often talk about guiding principles on lineups uh, by which the lakers should abide to be honest i have lost track of them i know it's not it, it's not a totally clinical exercise as many factors go into lineup optimization but can you try to summarize in broad strokes the lineup rules you think should be in effect and the rationale behind the rule so let's that's not always the same for every team. Yeah. Let's so let's build that off of like a star like Laker uh LeBron and Anthony Davis mm-hmm. type of idea. I think you need one guy who can shoot off of screens. That's actually something the Lakers are lacking mm-hmm. um at least to optimize it, right? So in terms of the Lakers, like KCP's been really good on threes this year. I'm working on a video on him right now on his shooting and just his his broader game in general and he's actually been He's been what Danny Green was supposed to be in yeah, that funny. he's like hitting those spot ups where he like relocates and slides down and knocks down an open three. But he hasn't been very good coming off of stagger screens or just the like set play type stuff. I, I've always said that in terms of lineup optimization, this is probably partially why we don't run a lot of plays. But your shooter, your Clay Thompson, your Kyle Korver, guys like that, even if they're not the best player on offense, the guy who's most effective at 
running around screens and scoring off of them mm-hmm. is very central to running your set plays. You may not be your best offensive player, but just running an offense that's really essential. So the Lakers don't have that particular piece. With me, with LeBron and AD, I want guys who can catch and shoot and have high motors slash can defend, right? So the mm-hmm. more guys that I can have, like, and though the guys that are like that are Danny Green and KCP in terms of like role players. Kuz, Kuz is getting better on defense. He's obviously not a defender, but like Kuz fits into that kind of next. He has a, and, he has a motor. He can he try. Kuz, Kuz tries. Kuz yeah. tries. Whatever you think of Kuz, he's, yeah, that, that's never really a, a concern. So he's kind of like, he's got like one and a half of that in that he's not really a great defender, but he's he's improving to closer to average. And Caruso's kind of the flip side of that where he's really dependable on defense, but the jumper can come not quite go. there. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, those are the guys more than anything. I, I agree with Vogel on the idea of having like vertical spacing from time to time, which avail and Dwight as lob threats that that can be helpful. But by and large, give me motor and shooters and we're good to go. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Uh, but as a general rule, and actually uh, JNRO <laughs> mentioned it, he mentions it here, one of my rules that the Lakers should abide pretty strictly now is no Rondo, no Rondo and Bradley out there together. Sure, that should not sure. happen. That should not, and and let alone Rondo Bradley and one of the centers out there that isn't AD. I'm not sure you can play Caruso with Bradley at least. Bradley like, Caruso Bradley's yeah. become tougher to fit. Like he's he's finding the spots for Bradley has become kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. He's shooting yeah. like 13 percent from three point range since he got back. Yeah, I think he's of guys who have shot a certain amount. At, at least as of last game, he hit a game. He hit one in last game, but he was shooting the worst three point percentage in the league amongst qualified shooters who had taken a certain amount of attempts. Yeah, like, damn, and that, that's that's something that's going to become a problem if that's you know if that continues. Yep. All right, let's take a, a quick second here. When we come back, we are going to finish off with a few more of your questions. All right, Pete, are you sitting down? Uh oh, what's this, up? This this guy's or this person's name might might trigger you. Are you ready? Mm. Fried chicken over pizza writes. <laughs> Given the sample size, do you guys think Jamal Crawford should be considered for Cook or Daniels? Also, uh, do you think Jeff Green should be considered? Should the Lakers consider bringing up someone from the G League? Also, Denver has a lot of players on expiring contracts. Um, imagining they're bought out, who would you want the most? I don't think any of Denver's guys are getting bought out. They're all too good. They're all going to get traded. Yeah, they wouldn't. Like buyouts usually happen on non-playoff teams, yeah, because those guys aren't really playing for anything, right? And there's no point in keeping them around after the trade deadline and all that. So mm-hmm. yeah, none of Denver's guys are an option. Um, in terms of G League guys, like there's probably not anybody in the G League that can help us from a like what we need is like we're gonna get to a certain point barring injury. Is my my test for like, should we acquire this guy? Is, is this guy going to help us win a Western conference finals game or can they a play finals? in a Western conference? Finals? Right, right. Can they, can they participate in it in the first place? That's absolutely the case. So, and, and that goes back to like Jamal Crawford. Like I, I Jamal Crawford was a good player in the league for a long time. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been that in a while, man. Like mm-hmm. we, I said yesterday, you know, I'm not familiar enough with enough, you know, Iman Shumpert's game at this point. I, yeah, I am familiar at least in the NBA. <laughs> Right. 
And Crawford was last year too, but like, yes, we need a guy who can get his own shot. Ideally, that's not somebody who's really, really bad at everything else. Mm-hmm. Like Crawford's 39 years old, man. Like it's yeah. not, who's he guarding? Who's he guarding on me? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, even if he's guarding Patrick Beverly, Patrick Beverly's killing him all on the boards yeah. or something like that. There's just athletic differences at that point where, yeah, I, those are not, aren't the guys that, that I'd be looking for. Yeah. That's kind of, it's tough when you get to a point in your career where you're a recognizable name and people think of you because you're a recognizable name, but they don't necessarily think of, like, you don't, you don't, assign slippage to a name that you know Mm -hmm. like jamal crawford's one of the best players ever to come off of the bench like it when you and and because of that like people are going to think of what he was and they say well if he's 80 percent of that well he isn't if he's 70 percent well he isn't if he's 50 percent of that we're getting closer but he probably still isn't even half the player he was in his prime and and that's kind of where the lakers are right now yeah i'm not i I really want to see what the rotation looks like, not just fully healthy, but when guys are playing roles that they should be played in. Like once once Bradley's role is diminished, I kind of want to say, and, and, and Caruso gets a bigger role in the rotation, I kind of want to see what the Lakers look like there. I want to see what Kuzma looks like as he continues. He's only played, he, he said he was fully healthy, what, four games ago? Yeah. I want to see more than four games of fully healthy Kuzma before I start talking about which holes the Lakers definitely have to to address, um, mm-hmm. especially given the kinds of players that are out on the market right now. So the types of players that are available, right? Well, that's the thing. We don't know who's going to be available right, right now. I'm saying like, as like, we know oh, right now, we are still probably oh, a full gotcha, two gotcha. months before like any of these guys become available. Gotcha. I misunderstood. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Next question here is from Arim Tim Timo. Uh, hey guys, I know three point shooting for the Lakers is weakish, but uh, when does the coaching staff realize and work on Avery Bradley's three point shooting? The last five games, I don't think I recall him hitting a single open three, uh, and he even hesitates, then runs the ball down to the Peyton, kicks it out. That doesn't seem he doesn't seem to trust a shot. Is this a, pl- a place for concern? We actually talked about this kind of at the end of last segment, and then in in some of the break. But here's my thing with with Bradley: it shouldn't exactly shock anybody that he isn't shooting very well. He's mm-hmm. never been a great shooter, and mm-hmm. and he has often run himself off the three-point line. Like He's right. way too happy to get run off the three-point line and take a long two. Um, those, the type of shots and, and the people who wanted to say heading into the year that they didn't think that Bradley would be somebody the Lakers should trust or, or should hope to trust, like that was the thing that they pointed to, was not, not just the statistical production, but also where it was coming from on a basketball court, the type of shots he was taking, and why that would lead to some inefficiencies. We've really seen that since he's come back. He misses a lot of shots short. And in terms of for the season, this is the worst year of his career as a three-point shooter since his rookie year, right? Which is in 2010-11. Guys like him could kind of get by as a player. And he barely played, right? He played five minutes a game. So don't even really count that season. But he's a 
36% three-point shooter over the course of his career, but it's similar to like what we talk about with Rondo, right? Conditions need to be just right yeah. in order for him to get to that league average-ish type of percentage. He's shooting 23.5% this year, and those short misses may be indicative of the leg issues that he's had, but even then it that was true before that happened mm-hmm. in, in San Antonio. So yeah, I am very much worried about Bradley. I'm worried about, you know, I, I thought he did a really good job on Luka Doncic the other night. And I think he's got some utility. He's our best ball pressure defender. I've been working on a Caruso video as well. And Caruso's very good on the ball in most instances, but he's not as good as Bradley is. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a guy like Luka and you want to wear him down for, for, 16 minutes or however much Avery Bradley is going to play. Okay. I I can get behind that, but let's talk about the Clippers. We're talking about gearing up for them. Like who does he guard that we get value out of him? Like sticking him on Patrick Beverly doesn't really matter. Like maybe Lou Williams. Um, No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't for Paul George. I wouldn't want him on Lou Williams. That's too foul. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Too. He reaches in, in too much. So yeah, I am worried about Avery Bradley and his, his role going forward for sure. Yeah, against non-Clippers teams, I think I think the the best way to use Bradley is to just say, you know what, don't even think about fouls. Foul out every game if you want, mm. whatever. And just go out there and be a hindrance for however long it takes for you to foul out. And then hopefully he fouls out quickly enough that Caruso gets the bigger chunk of the minutes there. Um uh, that I, that, <laughs> that it's it's a it's a pretty shitty role to have to play in, but but given how bad he's been on offense, and again, it's not just it's not just the fact that he's missing three point shots, which which is killer in and of itself. But but when I see players run themselves off the three point line, mm-hmm. I just that's where I flat out say I'm out. Yeah, like I if can't, he could, I can't watch this dude play. No, I get it, man, because he's a really good cutter, but. That has way more value if you've got the counter threat to that, which is the catch and shoot three, right? So if somebody's going to overplay you or turn their head in or something like that, yeah, you can cut to the basket. But that needs to be the the core of that needs to be like I will make this catch and shoot three thirty five percent of the time, and he's just not been that for us so far. Yeah. Next question here comes from Laker Neezy. Uh, what's up, guys? I want to get real for a second. In light of Uncle Dennis asking for a house, team ownership, Microsoft stock, Doc Rivers, Dodger uh, in marriage. That's not what they wrote. But <laughs> um, why don't the Lakers do everything possible to acquire Iggy? Magic Johnson isn't officially affiliated with us anymore. What if he were to invest, say, seventeen to fifteen to seventeen million into one or one of Robert Parra's businesses? Uh, I don't oh, see wow. why. <laughs> I don't see why <laughs> the Grizzlies should be opposed to it. No team is sending valuable assets to Memphis to rent Iggy for half a season. It would uh, behoove them to just cut him and not look terrible as an organization to ver- uh, veteran players. I know this is all shady and a bit ridiculous, but do you all think this kind of stuff happens more than we think? Uh, I'm just ready for us to be great again, possibly at all costs. <laughs> Thanks for the great work you guys do. This guy's a real one, man. This I like it. So first off, I like your mentality. Probably need to pull it back a little bit. Uh, just So first off, if you're going to cheat, don't let one of your rivals, don't involve one of your rivals. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if we're going to be doing the backroom shady dealings, let's not do it with somebody who can burn you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or somebody that's like legitimately a rival of yours. It, yeah. Like first rule of conspiracy is not too many people should know about the conspiracy. Right. right. So. Yeah, that that's a no uh, on that. And as far as trading for, first off, I don't think that not 
cutting Iggy makes the Grizzlies look bad. He's a player just like anybody else in the NBA that if, you know, like he, Iggy's going to be fine. He's having himself a nice, like six month long vacation. Mm -hmm. He's chilling, going out to eat nice places. You see him pop up on Twitter and IG sometimes like, Oh, this is where where Iggy was at today. He he's going to be fine. They're not doing wrong by him. They're just trying to get value for him. So I am, I, I have all, Already stated that I am for shady backroom dealings when it comes to the Lakers. This just ain't the way to do it. Yeah, you, you can't do exactly the amount that Iggy is <laughs> is paid. <laughs> How did this check for sixteen million seven hundred forty three thousand and six hundred and forty dollars? That's yeah. very specific. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think you can do it <laughs> quite that specifically. Um, I. In general, though, like you and I talked about this last show, that like if you're going to be willing to go so far as to sit things out, sit out free agency and acquire uh, or and be forced to acquire lesser players as a result of that, then you may as well take that next step and and circumvent the cap, right? In, in whatever way you have to to land Kawhi Leonard, but Iggy is not Kawhi Leonard, and. Right. The risk like, reward thing for sure. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I'm fine with not having Iggy if it keeps the Lakers out of trouble, so that their their noses are a little more clean come time to possibly circumvent the cap for Giannis. Yeah. So, so are there any black ops the Lakers, or can we as Lakers fans be helpful in any black Starting ops operation? Me for where? <laughs> whenever Let's talk about this amongst ourselves, see if we can, you yeah. know, do any any campaigns on behalf of the Lakers again, our conspiracy, few people have to know, yeah. so, you know, just us and our you know, yeah. listeners. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we should, we should start Googling like Rob things that charities that Robert para is for. Right. And then just bombard that, that charity with a ton of money so that they can, and, and let him know like, Hey, this is from Laker fan, Phil, this is from Laker fan. So-and-so this is from Laker fan. So-and-so. Just like a, like Oiggy, and then can make I, it up that way. Can I have a confession here unlocked yeah. on, along these lines? Uh-huh. So, uh, remember when Danny Ainge he tweeted something? It was something negative about Paul Pierce. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he said something about basically kind of diminishing Paul Pierce's value to those championships or mm-hmm. whatever it was. It was something that was like, ah, that dude's like a won a championship with you yeah. and like, you don't want to do this. So what, what I did, it was just something that was like, yeah, that's not cool at all. And it very much plays into angels. Like stars don't want to go there type yeah. reputation. So I, I DM'd like 15 of my closest dudes on Lakers Twitter. Mm-hmm. When Ainge did that, I'm like, all of us, all of us are quote tweeting this and we are just making the <laughs> biggest stink about like, oh, I can't believe he would say this about a proud ex Celtic. Why would anybody? And this is back before the Anthony Davis trade before this summer and all that. And just made this big deal. Ainge ends up like deleting the tweet. It ends yeah. up on the jump and all that. But I'm like, we are amplifying yeah. Celtic stupidity Make whenever sure people we possibly know can. So that, that is my one small venture into black ops uh, for the Lakers is like, guys, let's amplify this as much as we can. And sure enough, everyone came through. It was on TV shows the next day. I mean, I'd like to think, you know, we had something to do with that. Probably not. But uh, it was that that's our only foray into that. You know what's funny about this? Mm-hmm. 
You didn't even have to send me a message. I probably quote tweeted it before oh, yeah, yeah, you no, sent out already, that message. Yeah, no, hold on, no, no, it wasn't necessary. <laughs> yeah, I was. Our- I made. A, I made. A, I made. I make a point of any time, especially Ainge. Ainge just rubs me the wrong way. But but yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to we got to find different ways to uh, uh, circumvent the salary cap. There ain't no rules against us doing. Yeah, that. we we can let's, do whatever let's we put want. Our heads together as Lakers as Lakers fans <laughs> to see how we can get Giannis. <laughs> All right, we'll do one more question here before. Well, no, we got we got time for two or three more. Let's go, uh, Jesse, the Laker fan. Hello again, great show. Keep up the good work. Who is better right now, this exact moment, over Lonzo and Caruso, and which would you rather have on this roster, and why? Question two: With now losing to the Clippers twice and the Bucks, should we begin to panic? We answered that earlier. I feel that AD still hasn't imposed his will in games. Like, look here, we're winning this game because I said so and took over the load if LeBron isn't capable. Kind of worries me for the playoffs. Hope he doesn't he doesn't get shut down like that. Uh, the, the AD thing is a bit of a different topic here. He does kind of float in those games, but I, I think that's more... Like, I think the Lakers make life really difficult on AD yes. with some of the decisions yes. that they make. Yes, 100%. Everything's so stagnant, and he's not a throw the ball to AD and get a shot type of guy like... I mean, he can do it. It's just you're just not getting one of the elite players in the NBA at that. And yeah. we ask him to do that too much. Yeah. Uh, who would you rather have between Lonzo and Caruso? I mean, long term, I'd rather have Lonzo. And even like this year, I'd like like Caruso has been better than Lonzo. Right. And mm-hmm. like we this question came up a couple weeks ago and I was like, probably Caruso. Right? Like Lonzo hasn't played defense this year. Yeah. I've watched a bunch of Pelicans games and he's like, it, it, but he had, he had a triple double with 27 points the other day. Like mm-hmm. the answer to this can be different in a week or in a couple of days, right? Like yeah. Lonzo's got way more talent than Caruso does. It just, Crusoe's a lot more consistent in his role. So yeah, I, I mean, I probably, if I'm trying to project going forward, yeah, I take, I take Lonzo, but he's been very disappointing to me this year as a guy who's very much stand for him, but we've already talked about that. I, I think I would still rather have Caruso because he would welcome the role that he's playing on right now in ways that I don't think Lonzo would. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's um, fair. Let's go. Let's go to the next question here. I uh, Nathan Noir writes, hey, Anthony, I have a question about Caruso. It's obvious that he is our best point guard when he's on the court. Uh, but he seems hesitant to shoot or attack the rim when he's playing with LeBron. He almost immediately gives the ball to LeBron so he can bring up the ball up the court. Do you think this is a confidence issue, or is he afraid that if he messes up offensively, his already limited minutes will be taken away completely? I think it's a role issue. I think that he's asked to... like. Most of the time on plays, guys are not like deciding, well, I'm going to bring the ball up court this time, right? Like, especially if it's a set defense situation, that's when you're running your set plays, you know? Yeah. And even with the Lakers, yes, we have set plays. <laughs> and and that's those are the situations for that. So I would just argue that he's never really playing point guard in the yeah. way that I think this listener means point guard position. It's not like Rondo. It's not like LeBron in terms of being the primary ball handler. So he's not asked to be the primary ball handler. So when we run our sets and LeBron's on the court, LeBron's going to do that. I'd like to see Caruso set more screens for LeBron the way that Mm -hmm. we saw with Lonzo. Um, Yeah, they've done that some, and it's actually worked pretty well, but it would be nice to see that more. And then the other thing, too, with Caruso is I I think you need to run more, and when he's out there with LeBron, LeBron isn't really interested in running unless it's an absolutely optimized situation. So Mm -hmm. the fit there isn't isn't perfect. 
Um, I, I do agree, though, with the point that it that he is the, the best point guard on the team and that, generally speaking, compared to mm-hmm. other point guards out there, the team looks the best with him versus the other point guards that, that they have on the roster. It's just like we, you and I have talked basically since before the season started that that has to be a lot clearer than it's been so far for him to get more minutes than the guys above him. Well, and he's already, I mean, look, we're what? 31, 32 games into the season. And he started out the season behind Quinn cook on the death yeah. chart mm-hmm. on opening night. Quinn cook played like 16 minutes and Caruso was a DNP clutch minutes. Right. Caruso is. And so Caruso has even in the last like week and a half or so gone from like 11 minutes to 15 minutes, mm-hmm. 18 minutes, right? He's, he's Bogle's worked him in since the Portland game. These last two games, just at the beginning or at the end of the first quarter, just in a couple of different spots to get him more minutes. I would love to see him in the mid twenties of minutes. I really would. And mm-hmm. I hope that we're progressing toward that, but he wasn't going to start where he was yeah. and then end up playing 28 minutes a game by this point of the season, no matter how well he played. Yep. All right, last question here. Uh, so while you were talking, I don't know if you noticed, but I like shook my head physically. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It was not at what you were saying. It was at this question. Okay. Uh, not you can leave questions and stuff. I just I I had a vitriolic response to it. Um, for Anthony and Pete, as y'all have discussed, there are clear holes on this team to address. Would you be willing to include Danny Green, Danny Green in a trade if it would bring Andre Iguodala to L.A.? Caveat, if yes, devise a second trade uh, to net either a low-level sharpshooter or a downhill uh, pick-and-roll threat. Thanks, guys. Showed Cody Shell from VA. So, no, I would not. And That's the why I was being... shaking my head. Yeah. The reason being is that for as inconsistent as he has been and probably will be even Mm -hmm. up until and through the playoffs, Danny Green provides us something in two areas where we're already deficient. We don't we might not have enough shooting. We might not have enough wing defense. If we have enough, we're right on the edge. And so if you were to trade Danny Green, you'd need to get a guy, a three and D guy back, Mm -hmm. a wing guy who's a three and D guy. And then it's kind of like, well, why are you trading Danny Green in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Like, to me, the only way Danny Green goes out is if it's like Danny Green plus Kyle Kuzma, and then you get a guy who's of a significantly higher yeah, caliber than Bradley either Beal of those guys, right? Like, yeah, and they're no, you know, they're not trading Bradley Beal for that. But I don't think he can be traded. He, you have to no, wait he can't. Those, That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, so yeah, like I don't think Green should be untouchable. It's just he would be a hard guy to replace, considering the deficiencies of the, of the roster. Yeah, I, I'd put it like this with uh, Green: even if he isn't shooting well that night, and trust me, the the shots that he misses feel like punches to the gut. Like they just feel different than other misses for guys on the elsewhere on the roster. But when Danny Green is on the ro- on the floor. The defense has to pay extra uh, special attention to him mm-hmm. in ways that when you have Andre Iguodala on the floor, you can kind of sort of run away from him. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't. The Lakers need guys like like right now. Green is probably the only player on the roster who defenses really have to care about every second that he's on the floor uh, mm-hmm. because of his shooting ability. Maybe KCP develops that re- reputation. Maybe Kuzma develops that reputation. But as of right now, you can't trade away that reputation and not get 
both parts of the the, the player that Danny Green is, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you, if you trade away Danny Green, you need the wing defender back. But I, I'd argue it's probably more important that you get back the kind of shooter that Danny Green is also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just someone that defenses respect. Yep. All right, we're all caught up. We caught up to the new year. I'm proud of us. Way to go. Nice to be at inbox zero. Yeah. First time in a while. Starting 2020 at, at, at zero. Uh, thank you guys a ton for all of the questions. It was actually tough to catch back up, and, and that's a problem I love having. So keep those things coming in the form of a five-star review, and I promise we will cover it as well. Uh, by the way, I am going to just live stream myself watching the next game. The Lakers are in, in action by the time you guys are listening to this tonight. Who are they playing? Phoenix? They're playing Phoenix, right? Uh, so you guys will hear me talk a bunch of crap about uh, Devin George or no Devin Booker. <laughs> I like you, Devin George. You, you're my favorite Kobe story of all time. But uh, Devin Booker, I, I enjoy talking smack on. So if you guys want to p- tune in, find me on Patreon.com/slash/AnthonyOnLA. Uh, but for now, have a please be safe out there tonight. If you guys are listening to this right now, uh, please be safe out there with the New Year's uh, festivities. Uber and Lyft, uh, if if that's what you're, if you guys are going to get into, um, that way we can kick off 2020 with a inbox at zero and 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 with the kind of momentum we've we've developed to this point. Have a great new year. Make somebody else's. We'll talk to you tomorrow. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.